Welcome into episode 52 of the Get Around Podcast. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> That's Brendan Queeley. He's in for a surprise visit today. and My visits are always a surprise. <laughs> to him as well. Most of them unwelcome. I'll be honest with you. But we're, we're 12 seconds in and... He's taking shots at Jake Atnip, who's also alongside today. and That already happened yesterday. Poor He's kid. tweeting me. Poor kid. Yeah. Yeah, If uh, for those of you who may not be aware of our 53 listens to the most uh, recent episode of the Get Around After Dark, Week 7, covering Week 7 football action. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it now. Right now. It was great. Right now. And you will understand that at the beginning of it, the... Poor man's <laughs> Brett Summers over there, Jake Atnip. <laughs> oh, that is just um, cruel. Starts off the show with uh, howdy, howdy, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, the first thing that I thought of when I heard that, other than the the blind, pure rage that flashed over my eyes having to listen to that, was of the shark in Toy Story uh, when he pops out of the... Uh, the toy box and goes, I'm Sheriff Woody, howdy, howdy, howdy. And uh, that's... Um, so that's, that's, I guess that's, that's Jake me Adam. now. Oh, cool. But but yeah. Brendan had Brendan had some uh, cojones to subtweet me yesterday, getting caught in the act. As I, I'm on there and I like it, I was just like, "Why don't you just at me, bro?" I didn't need to at you, bro. Well, I mean, it was when you feel that was... level of shade. <laughs> there was well, no got... comment. There was no words. You didn't even put like a, a sidebar, a little a little asterisk on there. No, it was just like. This is going to come across just as I needed to. Exactly. No words were needed. The graphic interface feature? May, we'll go with it. Is that what uh, the GIF slash GIF stands for? I don't really have a dog in the fight on the hard G, soft G battle in the in that... Uh, it's a GIF. It doesn't matter to me. All I know is that they're very useful when flirting via... Text or Tinder or Bumble. Really, really <laughs> great because if you're not clever or socially adept at speaking, you don't get a lot of you, you get you? crickets. It's it's really easy to just send a funny gif slash slash gif. My favorite, so, so what so what you're saying is you just sent a cryptic gif to Jake. You flirting with me now? Is that what you're telling me? Yes, on a pretty much <laughs> daily basis. I can't believe you haven't figured this out yet. Um, it's just it, horribly in love with you. <laughs> so, what, what is it? My, my favorite one to use is from uh, Orange County, the movie starring Jack Black. Jack Black says, Do you want me to get naked and start the revolution? I just send that <laughs> on a regular basis. And I got to tell you, it hits about 0% of the time. I am I wonder why. currently. Especially over with Jack Black on that being one. the one in the, in the gift. <laughs> so, Brett. Take over, man. You're yeah, the host. We have other yeah, we're, to do. yeah, we're happy to have Brendan here, who's stepping in for James Cook, who, on a more serious note, uh, is in Forest Area tonight, kind of on late notice, investigating a school board meeting in regards to some sexual allegations. We're going to sideline that topic for now until James gets us further details, so make sure you check recordeagle.com and the newspaper as that story develops. But let's get into episode 52 of the Get Around Podcast, brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City, Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast, Jimmy John's, Freak Yeah. I'm your host, Brett Summers, alongside me, Brendan Queeley, Jake Atnip. We've got a good show for you. We're going to start off with a topic that left my 
blood boiling a little bit last week. Your hide was chapped. Yeah, you could you could say that. Um, I'm not going to give too much away at the exact moment, but then we'll jump into our last rundown of Player of the Year candidates for tennis. We've hit every other fall sport in the last few episodes of the Get Around, so be sure to go back and check those out. Football, volleyball, soccer, golf, cross country. We've got them all covered. Tennis, last but not least. And then we will have an interview with Kingsley Volleyball star Jessica Leffler, who dropped by the Get Around Podcast studios on Monday to chat with us. It was a great conversation, a lot of fun. You know, it's not just the Get Around Podcast studio anymore, because another podcast is now taking place in the studio, the Upfront Podcast, which is going to be dropping October 15th. It's still the Get Around Podcast studio, which just so lovingly hosts... (laughs) Some other podcast. Which is hosted by me, the Upfront Podcast, coming up uh, Monday, October 15th, with the one and the only Doug Stanton. You're going to love this interview. It's a former writer for Esquire, right? Indeed, yeah. Lives in TC now. Right? Awesome. With George Clooney, Afghan warlords. You're going to want to hear all about that. Then we'll get into the Get Around Hall of Fame and the Trifecta to close out the show. What's the Trifecta this week? That's comebacks. Comeback stories. That's comeback stories. Rocky Balboa. We, we've got kind of a wide range of, of things here. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you wanted to go the movie, yeah, like you comeback route, yeah. you could. I mean, we, we, don't have, we don't have a lot of hard rules on this one, but it could be return from injury, in-game rallies, career revitalizations, or returning from the dead. We're playing it fast and loose, baby. All right, so the story. One person not coming back. <laughs> yeah, that that's actually a perfect transition. See, Leaving, that's in why fact. I, that's why I don't quite live up to the Brendan Queeley standard of podcast of segues. Yeah, I got I and, got more segues and, than a Beverly Hills po- Police Department because they got those awesome segues that they so get to ride around on. Paul Blart, the yes. mall cop. Yes. Quit making me laugh when I'm trying to be angry. Paul, Paul Blop Mall Cop. They really dropped the ball on that one. I don't know why his last name wasn't Blop. It should have been Paul Blop Mall Cop. Right? Who's uh, with it's me? It's funny. All right, so there was a story that broke last week that chapped my rear end a little bit, as Brendan alluded to. And let me preface by saying that I don't sit here to roast anybody really on this show and... I haven't spoken to this person personally, although he didn't speak to us. We tried to ask him what was going on, and he did not return those phone calls. So I'm left to my own devices and feelings about the situation, but that was now former Kalkaska football coach Josh Bigby in his first year leading the Blazers, stepping down after six weeks at the helm of the program. Crazy. Yeah, 0-6, but... I don't care. It really pisses me the off because the guy absolutely quit on his team. If he's listening and he's got another explanation, I'd love him to take the opportunity to at least try to persuade me or tell me why that's not what he just did. You can be the guest on the 53rd episode of the Get Around podcast. But I don't care if you're 6-0 and or if, in the case of the Blazers, you're 0-6. And being outscored two hundred and seventy-three to thirty, yo, you you don't you don't leave your team and quit on your kids like that. And the only explanation James Cook did the story for us. The only ex- explanation that we got on paper, I guess, or via quote on the record, on the record, was that 
he felt he needed to focus more on his teaching. And let me be probably not the first to call BS on that. Well, there's, because, also, there's also rumors going around that he's going to be leaving his teaching position come the end of this. Well, semester. that doesn't surprise me at all because how could the guy hang around any longer after quitting on his team and he's still going to be in the school with all these kids? I mean... Kalkaska's not a very big town. Are you going to let me have my take or are you going to shut the hell up, Jake? He's so hot right now. Yes. So hot. Yes, I'm radiating from the inside because coaches, regardless of the sport, every yeah, level... They talk about the importance of team, of seeing things through, of being together, and this guy just simply walked out the door because it got too hard for him. And I know he came up here from Oklahoma. Brendan, I think you did that story before you left sports. I did, yeah. And, and I remember thinking to myself at the time, I, I, my first question to him was, why? Why are you leaving Oklahoma to come here? And he's a, uh, he's a Michigan resident. Uh, or uh, Michigan native and, and has lived here in the past. But I'm telling you, when I saw James's tweet last week that he had stepped aside, I went, wait, is that the same guy from Oklahoma? That that was my initial reaction. Because when I, you know, you think Oklahoma, you think football. You think Texas, you think football, right? Those are, you, you have that kind of connection there. And I thought, wow, this is a really big get for Calcasco, or at least I thought so, knowing nothing other than my perception of Oklahoma and football being connected <laughs> somehow. I thought, wow, this is going to be great. Here's a guy, you know, coming from a football state. And, yeah, I'm, it's, uh, it's mind-boggling how you just decide that uh, you can't even stick it out for another three weeks. I mean, you got three yeah, weeks yeah, up. Yeah, the, the season is over. I, you're I, not, not going to make the playoffs. Gonna, it's fine that you're going to quit. I got no problem with that. Like, you don't want to do it anymore. You don't see it do through. It, but see it through. You've gotta, you have an obligation to those kids that you have been working with since you took over that job. Uh, I, I'm sorry, man. I'm on, I'm on board with Brett here. I, I think I don't know how he it's can, a mistake. I, it was a mistake. I don't know how he can look any of those kids in the eye and tell them that he had their best interests at heart. He doesn't have to. That he was coaching for them. Uh, this, To me, this was just a selfish decision, and he just wanted it to be over as quickly as possible. And now he's left whatever's left of that coaching staff and all of his players in the lurch, probably standing around looking at each other like WTF right now. And... Why the face? You know, the, the whole, this is, and this is why the excuse, you know, I need to focus on my teaching annoys me. That's what a coach is. A coach is a teacher. It's something he's, he's hiding behind that. How, but how can he say he wants to focus on his teaching when his job as a coach is teaching and he's quitting on them? So how can even anybody he doesn't coach in athletics, anybody in his classroom, how can any of those kids take him seriously? I sure as hell could not. I got. I have no arguments with you on this one at all. No, I definitely. I'm just dumbfounded at. I guess the the commitment to not even just the kids, but the school and the move and the upending of the life. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Even if it was in week three when he quit on these guys, it doesn't make a difference at what point during the season this happened. It doesn't make a difference that it happened. Even at the you know at the end of the year, it's, I still probably would have been a little questionable going what what did you even do this all in the first place for why did you come and you know do this whole hype train at Kalkaska bring in you know basically what you said Brendan you know bringing in my Oklahoma style of football and the first five games you don't put up any points I mean I understand it 
probably pretty tough in a small town, you know, go, basically getting shut out your first five games after coming up here. But there's going to be there's going to be growing pains, and I guess it's just kind of I don't want to I don't want to say it this bad, but cowardice is just where you, you the going gets tough, and you know the I guess not tough, just get going. You know they they get out of there, and that's kind of what I see out of it is. It, the expect even if you don't live up to expectations, you coming up here on your own was a, a decision that was made, and then kind of let everybody else take the fall for it. Let me play devil's advocate real quick, uh, just because I think it's important for us to to kind of step back and take a a different look at this. Let's say that hypothetically, the the reason that he's stepping aside doesn't have to do with him wanting to focus more on teaching. Maybe it has to do with the fact that. Guys, we know parents. Oh, no, yeah. Okay, we know small towns. We're in it. We live it. We get emails and calls from people that if we're not paying close enough attention to their to their son, their daughter, their team, their town, we get roasted. If It's possible that he, he was getting heat and getting a lot of it from... Players, possibly from players, you know, from maybe from his coaches, from parents, from people in the town, and he might have just been like, you know what, my time is more valuable than this. I don't need to be. Maybe he didn't feel he was deep enough in it. And and it's again, I I, Brett, I see you there chomping at the bit. He owes it to those kids to see it through. Okay, no matter what, he owed it to those kids to see the season through. But it's possible that he was just like, you know what, I'm out. I'm washing my hands. I'm done. I don't need this for another three weeks. He's cashing in his chips on, on or he's thrown in a bad hand. You know, he got dealt a two and a seven. And How about that hand those kids got dealt? Yeah, it's, it's a waste. They went all it's, in without getting their second card. They didn't even see the flop. Yeah, no, I think a lot or, or some or a lot of what you said about what was going on behind the scenes, yeah, it's probably true. Coaches never have everybody agreeing with them. But, man, if he couldn't handle that, he shouldn't have been in the position in the first place. True. That's part of that comes with the territory. Yeah. Angry parents, that is part of the job. That's We know that as journalists. It's part of our job. Part of our job is knowing we're going to have angry readers. And that's that's fine. I think we take it in stride. Yeah, if you can't handle it, you got to get out of the kitchen. But I, and that's what he did. Yeah, that's that's a, that's you kind of made a point. I mean, it could have been one of those things that he was like, "I'm not deep enough in this to have to ride this storm out with my full, you know, my full ability." So it's like, let's just get out before I even throw my 100 percent energy into it. Because that's the way I look at it. Is there's no way that 100 percent effort could have been given. Not just on his part, but as a whole, into the buying in, you know, just from parents, students, everything. I feel like it, it probably could have been a better effort as a whole, but somebody takes the fall, and I guess he just chose to do it himself. Do you think he's going to keep coaching? He shouldn't. I don't think around here. Well, no, that that I don't think, but... I wouldn't hire him. I, 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 Unless he's got a really darn good reason that we don't know about yet. And like I said... At the top, if I'm completely off base here and somebody knows something that I don't that can explain this, I would love to hear it because I hope there's an explanation. 
I thought it was a this, Travis Shuba like thing, and that this isn't what happened. You know, Shuba got hired at Kingsley as the as the boys' basketball coach, and then shortly after that, he left to go to Central, which was basically, you know, a dream job for him. And yeah, is that that didn't look too good on him at that point uh, either, but. In the long run, for him, he made, he made the right call. So that's why I thought I'm like, oh, maybe he got another job offer somewhere else. I, fi- I find that really unlikely because of him coming into the area, kind of you know, unknown, off the off the map. Well, off plus, the that radar. was months before the season. This right. is with three Again, weeks left in yeah. the season. I, that was just my initial thought, trying to find some sort of explanation for that, other than a guy just quitting on his team. Yeah, I, I just the only thing I guess the way I'll say is, that no matter what the circumstances, unless they were extremely extenuating to the fact where it was like. He might be losing his job as an actual teacher, therefore losing his job as a coach anyways because he was underperforming at his job. You know, anything short of that, I just think it's wrong on his part to basically abandon a football team. And I know high school football kids and high school football teams, and it's it's a one-unit type of deal. It's a all buy-in or, you know, nobody's on this train. And when your conductor <laughs> dives off while it's still rolling down the tracks, I just... I couldn't see how anybody could really be happy with that. Look at Jake Atnett pulling out the metaphor. That's good, sir. He's a writer, baby. Try to be. All right, I'll get off my soapbox. These two may join me. I don't know. We're trying to talk them down know. a little I, bit. I, I think I'd like, to, I'd like to hear from the public. I'd like to hear what they think. I wouldn't mind uh, someone from Kalkaska coming forward and letting us know what the story is, whether on or off the record. We simply would like to, the, the more knowledgeable we are about this, the better. Yeah, I like to be able to make my assumptions based off of, you know, primary source material, so that would be very nice. All I know is I was simmering in my anger and uh, just couldn't take it anymore and had to say something. And since Josh Bigby was given the opportunity to speak and he chose not to, I can't go with anything but my feelings, and so there you have them. Let's jump into our Tennis Player of the Year front runners. As I mentioned before, this is going to wrap up our front runners run that we've had as we detail some of the best players in the area from each sport. I know, well, golf postseason is starting this week. Yeah, regionals. So this is this is the beginning of the stretch run. The beginning of the end of the fall sports season. For tennis, we've got... A couple of familiar faces, actually three familiar faces that we kind of consider our front runners right now. You've got Traverse City Central's Hayden McNamara, who was our player of the year in 2016. Yep, two years ago. You've got Traverse City St. Francis's Andrew Gerling, who was our player of the year last year. Then you've got Elliot Bandrowski, who, although he's number two singles for St. Francis behind Gerling, those two have battled for that number one spot, and, I mean, you could argue they're 1 and 1A. One I don't even think that's much of an argument. I think it basically just is. They're just interchangeable, basically, is what, what, what we're looking yeah, at. Yeah, I mean, Bandrowski was the number one singles player for St. Francis as a freshman. And then Gerling but he's, transferred he's bat- over. Yeah, and Gerling transferred over. They battled it out, and Bandrowski's had some injuries that have not been optimal to him securing that number one spot, but... A fantastic player. And then a bit of a dark horse, perhaps, uh, Petoskey's Garrett Reynolds, who has gone to -to head-to-head with McNamara from Central and defeated him a time or two. 
Uh, so you know that's kind of what we're looking at for names right now. I, I mentioned McNamara. We'll we'll start there, Jake. I mean, he's a four-time BNC champ, three years at number one, and like I said, the the, the player of the year in twenty sixteen. What I mean, what does the rest of the field have to do to top what he's done? Well, I mean, obviously, consistency has been a big hallmark of his career, and coming into his senior year, you only look to see if those numbers have gotten better and or worse, but he's kept up the same pace that he had started as a freshman. And I'm sure, you know, he is one of the reasons why Gerling is at Traverse City St. Francis. And that's one of those things is they now are on separate separate teams, running at separate paces, but they're both doing the same type of big things. And, uh, you know, with McNamara, I think he might be our front runner right now because, you know, Central Tennis is doing, you know, pretty well as far as I know. But not as well as St. Francis. No, yeah, but, but that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Team-wise. Well, but with Gerling and Bandrowski doing that one-two punch for St. Francis, it's hard for, for him to keep up with. But, you know, individually-wise, it's just more about staying consistent going from start to finish in the season at that number one singles and, you know, only losing three or four matches a year. Brendan, these names aren't unfamiliar to you. You've been on the sports desk while these names have been around. And honestly, I think that I talked to Paul... Bandrowski. Yeah, Paul Bandrowski, sorry, yeah, uh, the head coach for the uh, Traverse City St. Francis uh, Gladiators uh, on the phone countless times over my two for years. For hours at a time. Yeah, because he he's a talker, and that's <laughs> not, that doesn't bother me at all. I mean, I, was, uh, I went out when they had a uh, camp last year uh, doing my story about them, and, uh, you know, I have... Wonderful stories about Paul and his uh, methods to to, uh, to get his players to, to perform in the way that they do, and uh, it it pays off. You can see that he's building a dynasty program over there, or at least a perennial contender. And with players like Gerling and Bandrowski and uh, you know Andrew and Elliot, you know you've you've got to like that to be able to sit back as a coach and go pretty much guarantee points. Right here, coming off, uh, you know, off these two guys, Gerling last year was uh, outstanding. Um, really, really came on strong, and I was surprised last year thinking that all right, maybe McNamara goes back to back, and you know, Hayden took a bit of a step back. I'm not even sure if you can say it was a step back. More, it was uh, competition may have caught up to him a little bit, and uh, with with Gerling, he just kind of he, he took over and deserved that 2017 award and but you've got four great guys up there right now and uh and Garrett Reynolds um, who, that's a new name to me as you know someone who's now out of the sports department but uh if he's going head to head with McNamara and, and taking him down that's that's a kid you got to consider uh despite the fact that he's you know playing in you know almost an hour and a half north well the thing that I take away from this group and just that I kind of like outside the analysis of their performances uh, which I will be curious to see if McNamara and Gerling had the chance to go head-to-head. Usually Central and St. Francis have some type of TC meet where they where they get to play. be curious to see if that happened last year. I don't know off the top of my head. But outside that analysis, but I kind of like that we have a group of the usual suspects, so to speak. I think it makes the race really interesting. You know, not to say new faces each year as, you know, that top junior or senior ascends to a new level isn't exciting. But I, I like that there's a few faces here that we've seen before, and it's sort of like, oh, 
you know, this one won in 2016, this one won in 2017. They're still both here. Which one's going to win in 2018? I just right, think, and how often does that happen? Because yeah, not usually often. these Player of the Year awards are going to a junior or a senior. Right, right. Yeah, so, you know, the fact that there's that kind of intrigue here really excites me about this Tennis Player of the Year race. And it's going to be harder to call than a lot of the other sports that we have so far. I mean, we have a lot of front runners and other in other sports that we've talked about on previous podcasts, but this grouping is so close towards the top compared to the rest of their peers that it's going to be tough for us to, you know, let this shake out over the rest of the season. So who's the front runner of the front runners? I'll leave that to you two because, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I read the sports section, but I'm not taking phone calls. I'm not, I'm not there, you know, thinking about this and, and considering. All right, well, I'll let, my, I'll let myself off the hook easy by saying, well, whoever won it last is the favorite. You know, you don't look at, well, who won the Super Bowl two years ago? That's who's the favorite to win the Super Bowl this year. It's, no, it's whoever won is, is the team to beat. Whichever individual won is the, so the player to Gerling. beat. So I'll say Andrew Gerling is the is the front runner at this point. And I was going to say the same thing. I, I, but I would say with Gerling beating out Bandrowski for that number one spot, with those two already being so heavily, you know, or so tightly contested just at the one and two spots at Trevor City St. Francis, the competition that he plays at number one at St. Francis has definitely lived up to the expectations that he's had after winning that award last year. And, of course, we'll be curious to see how the postseason winds up because these awards do include the postseason. They are not regular season awards. And we know St. Francis has a great opportunity to bring home a ton of hardware. So a player like Bandrowski or Gerling, what role they play in potentially doing that uh, could go a long way in the race. Those are our... Tennis Player of the Year frontrunners brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. All right, it's time to get to that interview I mentioned earlier. Kingsley superstar volleyball player Jessica Leffler joining the Get Around podcast. We hope you enjoy. We sure did. Let's listen to that now. I'd like to welcome in Kingsley's Jessica Leffler to the Get Around Podcast Studios. She's joining us today after practice, and it's it's great to have you here. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So we'll jump right in. Kingsley as a whole right now, I mean, between girls basketball last year, the 50-win seasons that volleyball's been having year after year, and you guys are having another great one now, football's back on the map in Kingsley. What's it like to be a student athlete at Kingsley right now? It's really intense, actually. Like, we try to make it to as many of the football games as we can, but we've had so many downstate tournaments that we can't really. And then, like, we try to get all the sports teams, like, into all the other sports. It's kind of hard to follow, but as a whole, I think that it's, like, a really big thing to be a part of a sport. You, you feel the buzz within the, within the school just with so much success going on at one time? Yeah. What, what has the culture change been like since you started at Kingsley? You know, obviously with this re- recent success going on, I mean, what do people kind of feel like or is expected out of you guys once you start, you know, into the varsity arena? Um, I think there's a lot that's expected from us, but, like, we also have to be relaxed and everything, so... I mean, we're held to a high standard, everyone is, but it's not 
high enough to be like a stressful situation. It's not like cutthroat. Yeah. We'll go back a little bit. You guys were playing Leland, who's the other top team in the Northwest Conference, and even though you guys play in different divisions and don't ever face off in the yeah. in the postseason, it seems like there's a pretty good rivalry there between Kingsley and Leland. What what's the rivalry like? But from your perspective, I mean, are you friends with their players off the floor, or is it a little more heated than that? Yeah, I'm friends with them. Uh, I played club with a lot of them when I played North Shore, and then I played club with Ella last last year at Far Out. So, I mean, I'm close to them. I think that all of us are, are really close to them because we all play club, but it's just like an in-school rivalry, I guess. Now, I know Coach Hall, he's gone out of his way to really kind of up the competition on your schedule during the regular season, but, I mean, is that the biggest game of the year when you guys play the Comets? Definitely in conference. In our heads, it's kind of like Cadillac because it's been like an ongoing thing. Like they beat us like so many years in a row that we just kind of want to win. I mean, it's tough. Leland is definitely one of our biggest games. We look forward to playing Leland and Cadillac. Those are mostly the ones that we strive to work hard for. Well, I'll jump ahead a little bit. I was going to ask about it later, but since you brought up Cadillac, and you guys have had 50 win seasons each of the last two or three years and always had to play a really great Cadillac program in districts, which kind of stinks for two great teams to have to face off that early in itself, but you guys aren't in the same district as Cadillac this year, so are you guys happy about that, or did you want to play them again to finally get over that hump, or, or what's the feeling surrounding uh, the changes to the district schedule? I think that we definitely do want to play Cadillac, but I think that I expect it to be more in the region. Like, I think we'll find them in regional finals. So I think that getting past districts is really our goal because they knocked us out the first round last year. So we want to make it farther than, like, we want to play Cadillac later on so that we can go farther. When the stakes are higher. Yeah. All right. Maybe get some momentum rolling yeah. beforehand and <laughs> just kind of kind of get deeper and then be like, maybe the, yeah, the stakes are higher, a little bit more pressure, a little bit more, well, what would be the word, uh, oomph on either <laughs> side, I guess? Well, there was maybe a little bit of a question as to where you guys stood as a team because you, being one of the star players for Kingsley, uh, suffered an injury in the, the, the match against Leland earlier this year. And at the time, nobody was quite sure how serious it is. But you're back now. So just kind of what, what happened in that game? How have you bounced back from it? Well, it was the first point of the fourth game, and I came down funny. I barely even left the ground. So it was like a weird time. to. I sprained my ankle. And then I felt like I was fine. It didn't really hurt. So I got up and walked off. And one of the dads is a physical therapist, so he came down, and my whole foot was already swollen in my shoe by the time I got to the bench. So, like, he thought that it was more serious, but I was only out for two and a half weeks, and we played Buckley, Frankfurt, and then it was, like, an off weekend, so I didn't really miss much. But now that I'm back, I can see that Everyone's trying to find their spot again because there was like a new rotation and everyone was just trying to get used to me being back. And now our setter is just coming back from her back injury. So it's just hard to work in the 
the players that are coming back and get used to it again. Now, I know you guys didn't, you know, drop too many games while you guys have had these string of injuries. I think it was four games over the three or four weeks that we've had, you know, one of your top outside hitters and you and, you know, Maddie, your, your senior setter, you know, take, you know, take a step out of the game for a minute. I mean, what does that say about the rest of your team that they've been able to step up and, you know, kind of keep this season exactly where you guys are on the trajectory that you guys want it to be on? Um, everyone really has high intensity. And you can tell that everyone has the same main goal to go far. And, like, they just want to do it for the injured players. So, like, us being out, they're still playing for us. No one on this team likes to lose. So it's it's really, like, I can't think of the word. I'll just say it's, like, it's really cool that we can drop players mm -hmm. and be injured and the team is still extremely good. Now, you came back and uh, you said just this past Saturday was your first event, but you broke the school career kill record. Yeah. I think, I think Coach told me you only needed 37, and you ended up somewhere around like 55 or 58 for the weekend. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to you to now be enshrined in part of Kingsley's record books, and is that something that when you started off with, you had a goal of to attain uh, to begin with? I mean, starting my freshman year on varsity, I was really, like, not confident, so... By the time I was a sophomore, I realized that I wanted to, like, break the record and I wanted to be on the top. I hadn't really thought about it this season. Like, I knew I was close, but I never knew how close. So then we were in the middle of playing a game, and Mr. Hall called a timeout. And he was like, oh, congratulations on getting the kill record. And I was like, what? Yeah, so, <laughs> so that was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. That's awesome. I did want to go back real quick, though. Uh, so after you walk off the floor in Leland with that injury... It being that rivalry game, you know, one of the, the biggest conference matchups of the season, how hard was it to sit and watch in a, a match that you guys ultimately ended up losing? Um, I wanted the trainer to tape me up so I could go back in. <laughs> it was super hard to watch, but we fought hard. Yeah, I wish that it wouldn't have swelled up so that I could have stayed in. I mean, like, my adrenaline was pumping so hard that I didn't even feel it. Were you trying to convince the trainer to let you go back in? Yeah. Or what, were, what were you telling him? I mean, I was like, can I just tape it and go back in? And he was like, no. Because it was, it was like the size of a softball already. And I was like, are you sure? Like, I just kept working at him to try to get in. But But you think with your adrenaline, I mean, part of your game is on the outside, you're going up, hitting you know, way up above the oh, net. you're jumping all over the place. If, if, if you guys haven't seen Jess play volleyball, she's f high flying, trying to block every ball, and she's up and down, up and down, up and down. So I'm sure an ankle injury is not the best. But you, but you think front, you could have managed? Player. Um, I'm sure I could have made it through the game, but I would have been out a lot longer after. So good good in the long yeah, run that... I think so, Okay, yeah. all right. How do, you, how do you quantify the talent level that this team has had the last two or three years? It's... It's really been the same talent level. We've just really bonded more as a team. There hasn't really been any, like, attitude towards each other this year. We, like, really focused on team bonding and always being, like, honest with each other. So I think that's been really beneficial towards us to make it farther in all of the tournaments. I know there's some spots on the court that have trouble, but, like, at practice we work on it and we get better at the tournaments that we go to like we scheduled our whole season to get better to make it lo like farther in the long run 
um, rather than worry about our record. You guys, you've had really great size the last couple of years, um, you know, at the net blocking the other team. But one one of your teammates, Brittany Bowman, she maybe doesn't quite fit that list. But, I mean, we've seen between volleyball, basketball, track and field, her level of jumping ability and explosiveness. As long as you've played with her, was there a time when, you know, that athleticism ever surprised you about her? And what's, like, her greatest uh, feat of athleticism that you remember seeing her do? I think the biggest thing about Brittany is that she's always everywhere. So, like, she could be hitting and then, all like, already back down to cover her own hit. Like, she is so fast everywhere she goes, she could run across the entire court and get there before the closest person. And then uh, J- Jake mentioned Coach Hall picking up his 900th win. Just give us a little bit of insight. I mean, what's it like playing for him? And what, I mean, what did it mean to you guys to be part of the team that got him that, that milestone um, victory? I think it was totally awesome. I was around, like, my sophomore year at uh, the Sutton's Bay Tournament, he got his 800th win. So I thought that it was really cool to be around for, like, the 900th also. So I think, I mean, he pushes us to, to do our best, and he's a great coach, and I love him. He's my favorite. I don't, we all love him, and he, he gets really emotional when we don't do as well as we should have. And so, like, we know that he believes in us. It's pretty cool. Do you guys feel like he kind of coaches you the same? Or, I mean, does he have different strategies with different players, depending on who you are? Or, or how, does he, how does he get you guys to, to improve and, and build this kind of success that you guys have had for a number of years running? Um, most of the time he works one-on-one with people. But he kind of focuses on the upperclassmen trying to teach the underclassmen, kind of like what we do and like our groove and everything so it talks to the captains more to try to get us to help the girls so that we become closer because he doesn't want to think like he doesn't want them to think that he's mad at them he wants them to think that we're there to help and like they can come up to us and trust us and ask us what to do so I think he's more focused on like the team effort more than him getting involved more than us. Now how has your leadership role changed as you've moved into those roles that he expects more out of and how have you you know helped those younger girls to kind of bring them up to your level and to where Kingsley has been over the last few years? Um, my confidence has grown a lot so that's really helped. I was super quiet my freshman and sophomore year and even last year but um, my past couple of years at Far Out has really showed me that like being a leader and telling the girls what to do and like really helping them out when they need it and you can see like the stress on their face when they do something wrong and just going up to them and telling them like oh it's okay like it doesn't matter shake it off like just helping and being vocal has really helped me become a better person actually. Has that confidence level and that comfortability in a leadership role has that just grown you think because at the time you were a freshman and and as you go through school, or have there been specific things that you've done to try to be able to handle those responsibilities better? Well, I never really noticed. I was always super, like, conceited. Like, I kept everything to myself, and I kind of wouldn't let anyone, like, talk to me when I did something wrong because I'm like, oh, I know I did that wrong. And it was last year 
we played Leland at home, and Coach Glass, she texted me, and she told me to come out to Leland so that we could talk, and I went out there, and she, she was telling me that I need to be more open and, like, let all the girls talk to me and um, just be calm, like, don't slap any hands away, just take it and go and then so that really helped me a lot become like a more confident person and let everyone in and help everyone so obviously Lori Glass is a legendary coach how many state titles with Leland I mean what did it what did it mean coming from her and you know not to say you wouldn't listen to your own coach if he said those things but sometimes just hearing it from outside sometimes helps it sink in a little better yeah definitely it was a lot different. I really didn't expect that to happen. So it was like, I mean, I was emotional at the time, but it was nice to hear because I had no idea that I, that it was going on. Like, no one would tell me. And then she told me, and I realized that I needed to change what I was doing. I mean, how much contact did you have with Coach Glass before she texted you? Um, Not much. I've done lessons with her okay. to work because my freshman year, my swing was super, super bad. And I, like, I could not get it, and I'd dislocate my shoulder every time I swung. So I did, um, I did lessons with her to try to work on, like, the technique and the mechanics of it. I talked to her, like, maybe five times on the phone, but she would stop by the club sometimes when I played North Shore. So we'd talk for a little bit. Now, I do want to ask you about your swing, because after watching you play, I mean, you, you are a pretty dominating force when you're on the volleyball court. I mean, what is it... What is it like for you when you're sitting in front of that net and you have, you know, Maddie setting you up? I mean, what what goes through your head every time you're about to, you know, put one down on the opposing team? I, you, you do it with pretty, a lot of precision is what it seems like, and you know how to pick your spots. I mean, what's going through your head? Well, I go up and I just try to find the blockers. So, like, if there's a split, I hit there. And then, like, I just try to see what's open on the court. It's kind of like a split-second thing. Like, I don't really have time to think about it before. So... It kind of just happens. It's just a natural instinct. I, I saw a lot of power out of you. Are you more? You think you're more power or more of like a finesse kind of, you know, trying to pick your spots, or is it more or less like I'm just going to make sure I get this through? If, even if your hands are up, I'm getting it through them. Um, it kind of depends on the team that we're playing. Like if it's more of like a physical team that's really good at blocking at the net, then I'll probably be more like precise with where I'm putting it. But if it's more of like a sloppy team that I could just kind of throw it anywhere, I'll just hit it super hard. <laughs> okay, okay. So I, I, I've never seen any uh, anybody sitting at a volleyball game with like a radar gun like at baseball. But, it, do you, I mean, do you know how fast your, your kills are going? Has anybody? Um, yeah, we did it at practice. <laughs> One time we were tracking our serves, and then Mr. Hall was like, let's see if we can see how fast the hits are going. And I hit it, and it was like, 47 miles an hour. Holy cow. Yeah, at, at like four feet. Uh, I, can, I feel bad for any of those uh, libreros who are trying to dig that out. Just four feet away, just coming right at your chin. It's 50 miles an hour at the jaw. Yeah, we, we talked about it on an earlier episode of the podcast, I think when we were talking about our front runners for Player of the Year in volleyball. And, of course, you were our Record Eagle Player of the Year last year. And I think one of us said something like, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, between – Players like you and Allie Martin, if somebody actually bloodied a nose with one of their kill attempts, is that has that ever happened? Please tell me that that's happened. Um, 
I did it once during club. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It happened. <laughs> but a lot of the times, it's like more of like the forehead shot or like the chest. Have you ever been busted in the nose? Um, yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah, it was my first year of Far Out, and I went, we were down at a tournament, and I was standing in the wrong spot and got blasted in the face. <laughs> was that in practice, or was that during no, a match? No, it was during a tournament, okay. and I, so I had to run off the court with a bloody nose. So obviously not fun when it happens to you, but when you hit a shot like that against the opponent and it goes off their forehead or their nose, yeah. I mean, is, is there a little extra, like, yes <laughs> yeah, in, in a play like that? It definitely is. And especially, like, even when my teammates get him, like, if Austin hits someone in the face, I cheer extra loud. <laughs> and I know it, it sounds mean, but in the moment, it's just something you have to do. I mean, there's only there's only so much, so, so many ways in volleyball that you can, like, know that you have the upper hand at any given point. I think that's probably one, like, you see it and you're just like... Yeah. Okay, and this I, is the time. I don't, I don't think it's mean at all. I mean, it's no different than, you know, guys on the football field trying to, trying to put a good hit on somebody. Right. I mean, it's the same thing. That's yeah. that's awesome. I love that. Uh, you could, I've, I've seen girls straight up just dodge their heads out of the way so they avoid that fact. They're like, I'd rather get just give up the point than get smashed in the draw. I'd be getting out the way. I'm not, no. Nope. <laughs> okay. I, won't, I, I won't be the one across on the other side of the net from her, so. All right, Jessica, we do this little segment called The Wheelhouse with all of our guests. Jake prepares a handful of kind of rapid-fire questions, and he may or may not ask you to go into detail a little bit after you give your initial answer, but should be should be fun. Nothing too difficult. Okay. I'm not going to scare you off. So first question of The Wheelhouse, what is your favorite dance move? Ooh, I don't know. Me and my teammates, we dab a lot. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the big things that we do. The dab's not out of style. No, yet. not for us. No. no. Okay. <laughs> They're keeping it, it in might, style. Yeah, it might be for some other people. That's but. that's a quick one you can do on the volleyball court without taking up too much time. Now, uh, with the spirit of October and this going around everywhere, what is your favorite homecoming slash spirit week activity or like dress up day that you you have done in high school? Um, definitely powder puff football. I didn't get to participate in it this year because of my ankle. It was like right in that week that I sprained my ankle. I got to stand on the sidelines with everyone, so it's just, it's just really fun for us. What position would you have been playing if you had been able? I probably would have been a running back. Are you pretty fast in the open field? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Elusiveness. You wouldn't, you don't get to see that on a volleyball court very often. So you're up and down a lot, but we don't get to see you making cuts. Right. Now, favorite Snapchat or Instagram filter. I think that my favorite Snapchat filter is the one that makes your mouth super small and your eyes super big. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's a voice changer, too, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I just, I just uh, saw a couple on Instagram that I've never seen uh, before yeah, yesterday. I don't really use the Instagram filters. Yeah, no, I, I don't even post stories on Instagram, <laughs> but I just saw the filters. I'm like, wow, these are, these are funny. Now, um, do you have any pregame ritual or like superstitions that you have to get done before you step on the court? No, Maddie Boz keeps a penny in her shoe. Because we found it on the court one day when we won, so she keeps the penny in her shoe. <laughs> heads up or doesn't matter? Um, She found it heads up. Okay. So, I mean, she just throws it in her shoe, kind of, but it slides you think around. She, like, I'll say, you think she feels it when she's jumping I around? I don't know. I never really asked I couldn't imagine it's like having like a rock in your shoe. That would just, that would, that would turn me sideways <laughs> in the middle of a match. I wouldn't be able to focus. This is more volleyball related, but... If there, I don't know if you play, do you play sand volleyball, beach volleyball at yeah, all? Yeah, a little bit. If there was any beach in the world, some Bora Bora, Brazil or something, any beach in the world that you would like to go and play some sand volleyball, where would you go? Oh, I don't know. Bora Bora would be cool, but I'd like to go to Brazil to play 
um, see all the people that yeah. play, too. Yeah, because it gets yeah. pretty wild down there. Do, like, a beach volleyball tournament during the day on yeah. vacation. I don't think that sounds too bad. All right, awesome. That wraps up the wheelhouse and our interview with Kingsley volleyball player Jessica Leffler. Jessica, thank you so much for dropping by the studio. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. A big thank you to Kingsley's Jessica Leffler for joining the Get Around podcast. A lot of fun having her here in the studio. It was a great conversation. Luckily, she didn't break either one of our noses. Yeah, I feel fortunate. I won't be playing on the other side of the volleyball net from her, ever. No, I, I honestly, I would like to put us against some of the better athletes in the area. And just Why would you want to do that? <laughs> because. Are you like a glutton for embarrassment? You're like, oh, I man, mean, let's go one-on-one. That could be at least like a funny like Facebook video. Like You, you guys have seen the one of the dude getting, like, Having like eighteen digs go right off of his face. Yes, yes. Yeah, Bren- Brendan shared that several times. One of my go tos when I need a good laugh. Or it's just like he had. They have the soccer one too. Yes, it's yeah. great. No, and it's literally like I could just imagine us doing like a record eagle, almost like a spoof. Where you're like, oh, we'll put Cole Blund out on the out on the box for penalty kicks and have us try to save some, and then we'll go try and dig some of Leffler's digs, and then. You know, we'll try and have an open field tackle against Danny Passano. It could be a video series. It'd work out pretty well. Now, Jake doesn't often have good ideas. Uh, but I like this one. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to... I dig it. I, I like that a lot. I, I do as no, well. I was, I was thinking about a YouTube channel for us anyways because you don't have enough visual storytelling ideas. Hey, but listen, why don't stuff. we try to get enough listeners to this before we start uh, branching out and, and putting more work on you guys. Oh, that's all so, it ever is. Yeah. But no, I think that'd be sure a lot gonna... I actually think it would be a lot more fun to go up against some of these athletes than it would be embarrassment because you actually get to see how you stack up against the kids you're writing about. I, I think embarrassing is fun. Exactly. Fun. At least everybody else thinks that it's fun when it happens to other people. All right, let's jump into the latest rendition of the Get Around Hall of Fame. We want to include one more local athlete into the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. We've got a number of quality candidates this week. Brendan, you even came up with one. I did. Uh, I came up with one, and let me see. What was printed out on this piece of paper <laughs> given to me by the one and the only Brett Summers? Barry Artero, if you will. Aiden Mullen from Kingsley. 19 carries, 216 yards, and a couple of scores, uh, keeping that Stags train rolling right now. As Playoffs. They, as they Playoffs. Playoffs. As they roll over Glen Lake and punch their ticket to the postseason. So yeah, Mullen is my Mullen is my man this week. Certainly a worthy performance. I've got. I'm gonna go soccer here and. I feel like I'm putting my candidate at a little bit of a disadvantage here for two reasons. His teammate was elected to the Hall of Fame last week, so I don't know what you guys are going to feel about two Leland soccer players back-to-back weeks. The second thing is that... The I'm per- just glad the- that Koblund got in last week. So He was pretty happy, too. Thanks to Koblund for sending us a thank you, for Co- thanking yeah. us, for thanking him for getting into the Hall of Fame. Thanks around, Kobe, everybody. Kobe, you don't know Brendan, but you're his boy. <laughs> you're my boy, Blue. <laughs> Kobe and I have spoken a few times. He knows what a fan I am. All right. Fan Skill boy. like that, I mean, you gotta, 
But the second disadvantage I'm putting my candidate at is the fact that his team didn't win for the performance that I'm putting forward. Either they didn't lose. But they also didn't win. My biggest gripe about the game of soccer as a whole. Yeah, the only ties you like are... Oh, the, the ones I tie around my neck, yes. Got but uh, Leland, Leland Keeper, Gavin Miller made 12 saves on the road against number one Muskegon West Michigan Christian last week. And I followed along a bit online from their Twitter account. And Granted, it is the Leland Varsity Soccer Twitter account, so perhaps it's Biased? a little grandiose. Ah. But boy, they made him sound really good. But, hey, 12 saves against the number one team in the state. I really in, wanted to go see that yeah, game. Yeah. If that was in the area, I would have been there. In a 1-1 like, a, a no draw. It. It, was, it was scoreless at halftime. Leland had a one nothing lead, and West Michigan Christian cleaned up a rebound in the final minute of the game to force the tie. But I knew I didn't have to see it to not nominate him this week. 12 saves against the number Santa one Claus. team. That's, He's Santa Claus. <laughs> That's right. So I've got to vote for Santa Claus, I guess. All right, Jake, my, uh, my player of the week who I am putting up is Traverse City Central freshman cross-country runner Julia Flynn. She came in second at the latest BNC meet just behind TC West Hannah Smith, but then turned around and beat Hannah Smith in the Portage invite this past weekend, which is one of the biggest cross-country meets in the state of Michigan every year. I know there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of runners in each one of these divisions in each one of these races. So I'm um, having a freshman coming out and making a statement, uh, being the, one of the highest area finishers out of the entire meet, uh, definitely impressed me enough to put her up for a player of the week. All right, Brendan, I'm going to let you vote first. I hadn't really given this any thought, but now I'm giving it some To thought. be fair, you hadn't Edgar. given this podcast a thought until I asked you 20 minutes before we started, hey, That's you, true. you want to do a podcast. That's true. Um, but I feel hashtag blessed uh, to be on here, so it's so it's all good. It's uh, I, it's it's tough for me. I, I do want to give it to Gavin Miller just because of a performance like that against uh, the the number one team and in such a competitive sport uh, as soccer is, and how much I enjoy high school soccer, but could give a flying flip about you know the World Cup, World Cup or, or MLS or anything like that, but. That seems to be the case with most sports. I don't care about the NFL, but you'll find me at the Screw Rupi, professionals. Uh, you know. Um, but I am going to have to give my vote to uh, the two of you to decide because <laughs> all three of them were great candidates. All right, um, I'll, go with the, I'll go with Julia Flynn just because she is uh, a freshman phenom and has uh, been doing it all year. All right, Jake, are you going to claim the win? I actually am. Yeah, no, I was impressed by her this week. And like Brendan actually just brought up is the big thing is, is even with a lot of other people not being able to run, she's ran the entire season and been in the top ten multiple, multiple times. So I think Julia Flynn is definitely worthy of this honor. Well, then my vote is irrelevant. Congratulations, Julia Flynn. You are the latest inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. It's the one phrase I've coined on this show that you didn't create originally that is not true i absolutely did create the you most absolutely did not club. i absolutely, you absolutely did, did not you absolutely did not you you you, <laughs> you absolutely did not you took audible viewers from me i said that this is the only one you didn't 
create. I absolutely did. You absolutely I did not. I absolutely. You can go back and listen, and several times. I will I said, allow you to prove it to several me. Several times, no. I said that False. it is the most exclusive club. I came up with it in Northern Michigan. Maybe not exactly those words, but it was there. The burden does fall on the defense to prove. That yeah, that is true. Yeah. I All right. So, so yeah, you look it up. You let me know, and I'll. Oh, I'm not going to be doing any of that. I don't. All right. I don't, so I don't care enough. It is mine. That's a lie. Trifecta time, boys. <laughs> time to plug in the snappy music here that probably won't be there in post production. <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> Comeback stories. I like the return from the dead theme. It is. It is a spooked over. Yeah. Well. I, we haven't talked about him yet. Well, I guess let's we talk nev- about him now. I guess we. I guess we. I was. I was watching. I watched uh, I Halloween H two O last night with uh, the one and the only seven and four is Harrison Beebe. The he plays Michael Myers. In case you didn't know, the the, the yes Harrison Beebe <laughs> plays Michael Myers. Yeah, we watched. So we watched H two O Halloween H two O last night, and then followed it up with uh, Stand by Me, one of my all time. Oh, favorite. you finally got oh, to watch it. Never watched it, right? And nice. uh, he did not like it. No. No. But that's I more of a formative th- years type of movie. Exactly, and that's kind of what I said to him at the end of it, because I'm sitting there watching it and loving it, and Harrison's over there on his phone, and I went, oh, yeah, he's not digging this at all. But that's okay, because really you need to watch Stand By Me when you're, like, you're like 12 at years that old, age, yeah. when, you are, you know, uh, when you're in that kind of... Exploratory phase. Yeah, and yeah. more exploratory, like going out and exploring yeah, like places. like getting on your like bike and riding away for 10 hours. Yeah. He was miserable the whole time. Yeah, he, I mean, his his phone was more entertaining. But I and I said to him, I'm like, yeah, it's it's fine. I would, if I'm going my my top favorite movies of all time, How to Train Your Dragon, Goodwill Hunting, Stand by Me, and Back to the Future. Those are my top four. That's a good top four. So I, uh, well, uh, yeah, except for maybe yeah. number one. You don't like How to Train Your Dragon? I don't know how you could put that in your top five movies of all time. It is my favorite movie of yeah. all time. I, I won't get it. I, 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 I know how my that favorite movie. I know how it gets when people. He's already requested off work for the next one. Oh yeah, gonna, I will not be here March first, two thousand and nineteen. I will be in Tinley Park, Illinois, seeing How to Train Your Dragon, the midnight showing of uh, uh, the actual of, premiere of, of, the, of the third one, The Hidden World. Yeah. I, I won't talk crap about it. I just, I just. Oh, don't, it's I don't it's okay if you do. I'm a 33, soon-to-be 34-year-old man whose favorite movie of all time is about an animated dragon. <laughs> it's, it's a cartoon movie. Yeah, it's awesome. The dragon can't even talk, can it? That's one of the great parts about it, is Toothless does not talk. Super cute. I'm going to go home and watch that tonight. He might as well be yeah, tongueless. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Astute observation. <laughs> that was amazing. I- but we're talking uh, about comeback yes, stories. Yeah, there were no com- <laughs> it, it, the comeback stories I mean, were in Halloween with Michael Myers, which it, it, I can't believe you followed up with H two O after the previous weekend. We watched the original Halloween together. You skipped out on Halloween too. I did. Yeah, which I, had to go which home. I s- continued to watch yeah. and try not to fall asleep through uh, with Harrison. But uh, I don't know. I thought the second one was better. The first one was. I was. Totally confused by the opening scene of that movie. Like I had no idea what was going on. I just know someone died. Yeah, it's. Uh, but it's the it's the film that started it all. Yes. Yeah. It it might not be that good, but it's a it's the classic that you just you you know you watch. We're way off topic. 
Well, sort of. Returning from the dead was, uh, yeah, was one, Myers, of the, uh, one of the options here with the uh, trifecta, our favorite comeback story. For the 20th time, Michael Myers returns from the dead. Jake, what, what, what's your favorite comeback story? Well, I, I, maybe not my favorite, but I think one of the more incredible ones that sticks out in my mind is Adrian Peterson. When he tore his ACL, he kind of... Came back and ran for over 2,000 yards. Yeah, he kind of exploded and nearly broke the rushing record, like... Days after he got, like, he got cleared, like, I think it was week two of the preseason. To the delight of Packers fans when he came up, I think, six yards short against Green Bay in week 17. Yeah, that's by six yards. But I I just remember, you know, and still to this day, guys who tear their ACL come back, and they don't, it's not that their production completely falls off, but you don't see the type of, you know, greatness that you saw at Adrian Peterson, especially in their first year back, um, or at least right off the rip. And he came back and, you know, there was a lot of other things that were going on with Adrian Peterson throughout his career that he's come back from too, and he's still playing. He's tearing it up again this year, but just that Wait, year he's still playing. Yeah, he's, he's playing, playing for the Washington. Starting Redskins running now. back for Washington. Wow, and he's doing pretty well. He's got a couple games over a hundred yards. But I had no idea. No, but he, that's what I'm saying. Is Adrian Peterson that year in particular really sticks out with me because prior to that and even after that, people who have tore their knee up. You see them come back, and they're just not usually the same player in almost any sport. So. I think that's a pretty noteworthy one. Brendan? My comeback is uh, a little bit different, and it's more a kind of a, a return home. And that would be from, and I will do this even though they're not very relevant right now considering that we are in the midst of the baseball playoffs and the Chicago White Sox aren't going to be sniffing the postseason for at least the next couple of years. But that is the return of Frank Thomas back to Comiskey Park. In 2006, uh, I was actually at that game. It was the year after they won the World Series uh, with Frank uh, on the roster, but on the bench at the time. I've still got his ring, though. I was at the game when he came back to Comiskey for the first time as an Oakland A and cheered him when he stepped to the plate. Of you know, just a stadium rattling cheer as he came to the plate, tipped his helmet to everybody, and. Uh, Then he proceeded to hit two home runs in that game and beat the White Sox, and I cheered after the first home run. I booed after the second one. Uh, Oh, how quickly the tables have turned. Well, yeah, if you're going to hurt my team like that, I mean, but, yeah, that was was my my favorite comeback. And, I mean, you can't really, if you're talking about comebacks, there are so many that you have to mention. Uh, Kirk Gibson coming back in the 88 World Series, uh, hitting that home run. That basketball player with the knee injury whose name is escaping me right now came back on the floor. Come on, Jake. Looking at me. College? You don't pay attention to the NBA? I mean, what? No, 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 no. NBA. This sounds was, like an occurrence that happens was, on a decently regular basis. It was, uh, it was, he was hurt. Brett, look it up on the internet. N- like, just NBA injury, comeback. God damn it, whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, I know for me that's just that's a personal comeback. That's a personal return to home. Frank Thomas, who had, you know, won two MVPs with the White Sox, sh- should have won three MVPs, lost one of them to Jason Giambi, even though Giambi admitted to, to juicing at that time. It was the time to um, juice. Yeah, and, you know, Frank's the guy that testified before Congress about steroid use, and uh, everyone in the game you know, believes that he, he's clean and has, has never touched any sort of performance-enhancing drug, and the guy except for that one that he is hawks all over the TV right, right now. now. <laughs> yes, that one is, is set to uh, Nugenics, to, right? To enhance some performance of some sort. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, you can't say he doesn't use performance <laughs> enhancers now. Yeah, but hey, he's retired and is looking for. Now he's swinging another big stick. Oh my god! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Arturo Summers. <laughs> be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, I admit that's a pretty good one. It was great, and I'm very upset that I did not think of that one first. But yeah, Frank, uh, he is—he's my personal pick for uh, favorite comeback. What about you, Brett? Well, I've got a few. I'm going back to my list-making days of when this podcast was in its infancy. But the first one that immediately popped into my mind was just week one of the NFL season. Packers down 20 to nothing at the half against the Bears. And Rodgers appears to have suffered some sort of catastrophic knee injury. I know you want to talk about this. I get this. But we discussed beforehand that these aren't in-game comebacks. We already did that category. No, that, that, we, we already did that. In-game rallies. Anyway, this, is, this was one since we did that topic, so it wasn't available to me at the time. But another comeback. Come on, Brett. What else are we going well, to give us to? Similar to Brendan's me. Frank me Thomas podcast. comeback. Oh, sorry. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah, this tops them all do, right do, here. Do. Brendan joins us. No, uh, similar to Frank Thomas was I was at the game uh, where Favre's jersey was retired and, you know, he was officially welcomed back to Green Bay with open arms after so many stupid Packers fans decided he was a terrible, terrible person for, they burn for going to Minnesota. Uh, they, Twitter was around, they, they weren't, would have. They, yeah, they weren't as bad as Cleveland, I don't think, but there were a lot of people that just – I I never understood it. I was quite fine with him going to Minnesota at the time. Uh, and then the third, it's a very small comeback in terms of game, in-game. I know you said we did this already. But it's more what happened uh, when, when Kobe Bryant went down tearing his Achilles and he came back to the free throw line and hit those two free throws with a torn... I mean, I've never... I've. I watched Brett Favre for 20 years, but that is the testament of toughness that I've never seen before. And at the time, the Lakers were down two. The free throws tied the game, and they ended up winning that game, which, of course, didn't matter because Kobe Bryant had a torn Achilles. But that wraps up episode number 52 of the Get Around Podcast. It was a good one. Brought to you by Jimmy John's. We do have our weekly housekeeping item to take care of real quick before I shut it down. But congratulations to Helen Bellino. She's our weekly winner of two free Jimmy John sandwiches for her engagement with our podcast on Facebook. You can do the same this episode. Please share, retweet, favorite, like, whatever it takes. You can be the winner of two delicious Jimmy John's sandwiches. I'm your host, Brett Summers. Alongside me, surprisingly, and looking dapper today, Brendan Queeley. I had to dress up because I was going to be in court. He's in a little trouble. And Jake Atnip. A lot of trouble. This has been episode 52 of the Get Around Podcast. Have a good one.